0: Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. If you're listening to this episode right when it comes out, it's Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. And so much has already happened. I can't believe January is lying by. So many cool things happening. Let me fill you in. If you're new around here, uh, let me maybe start there. This is the podcast that features hundreds of interviews with students who are succeeding wildly using the strategies taught in the Proven Amazon Course, provenamazoncourse.com. Thousands of people have used that course to launch their businesses. We've interviewed hundreds of them who are succeeding. 74,000 of us hang out in a free Facebook group at silentgym.com. Jump in there if you're not a part of that yet. I'll be turning the microphone over in just a moment for a Coach's Corner episode featuring Brian and Robin Joy Olson, who They're on here about once a week or so. Great coaching leaders on our team. They've created a lot of content. They've built a beautiful business using the strategies we teach here. They're gonna take it away in just a moment. Talk about sourcing, growing your business. Some very practical lessons from the experiences they've had coaching numerous students to success. But before we go there, I wanna make sure you realize that tickets have gone on sale for The Proven Conference. You've heard me talking about it for a few months now. Tickets are now on sale. In just a couple of days, as I'm recording this, we've already got hundreds of people registered. We've got a lot of momentum and sponsors jumping in. The website is The Proven Conference. Theprovenconference.com. That's the website. Get over there and check it out. Yes, it's very new seller friendly. We will have content for you, even if you're just getting started and you've never sold anything online before. We will also have people there who have. Multiple seven figure businesses, sharing how to scale and grow to the level that they're at and beyond. So, this is a little bit of something for everyone 40 different breakout sessions. So, you can pick the courses and the classes that are right for you, hang out in the big group each day when we get started. The energy is going to be incredible this year. So much momentum. This is the 12th time we've done this, making it the longest running e commerce and Amazon seller conference in the industry. How about that? that's pretty incredible. So be a part of it May 23rd through 25th in Orlando, 2024. We want you to be there. So that's a big announcement. The other thing I've got to tell you about is today. If you're listening to this as the episode is launched today, January 24th of 2024, we've just launched our provenazinfluencer.com class. It's not too late for you to join. Jump in there with us, join us, provenazinfluencer.com. There'll be a link in the show notes and you can go check it out. Imagine getting paid just to upload videos to Amazon. That's it. Upload, review videos of products that you like so others can see those videos and you get paid. As people watch those videos and then make buying decisions on Amazon, you get paid. It's an incredible program. We've got several leaders on our team and successful students who are already doing it at a high level. They figured out a lot of great strategies, techniques, ways to to maximize the program, what types of products to look for. It's a very inexpensive class. We'd love to show you all the details of how to ramp this up. And you just get paid residuals month after month after month. Go to provenazinfluencer.com and you will see the Podcast episode where I interviewed the guys in our community who are doing really well with it, and then jump in, even if you're a few days late. That's fine. You can join us well after the classes have started, and we'll still welcome you in. So check that out if you're interested, because that launched as I'm recording this a few days from now. But as you're hearing it, January 24th of 2024, the class is launching. So jump into that one quick and get caught up and go through it. I'll tell you this my wife, my son, my daughter-in-law, and maybe one other family member. That's just people in my family who are doing this. Already excited, going through the class with everybody. So you're going to see a lot of my family in there with you when you go through this because we're super excited about it. I'll be doing it as well. There's no reason not to. It doesn't cost you anything. Just record some videos, upload them to Amazon. How fun is that? and people are making thousands of dollars a month after having done this for several months. It's a pretty incredible opportunity, so be sure to check it out. Okay, that's enough of an introduction for now. I've got much more I could say, but today it's a Coach's Corner episode. We're gonna teach you about sourcing. We're gonna talk to you about your business, some very specific strategies for you if you're specifically building an Amazon Replans business, which is what about 95% of the success stories you hear on our podcast are all about people jumping into our basic Amazon seller training strategy. It found in the Proven Amazon course where we teach all the strategies, but this is the one we start you with. And that's what Brian and Robin Joy are going to talk about today. They do such a great job. I'm going to turn the microphone over to them so you can get some great instruction and encouragement. Take it away, Brian and Robin Joy.
1: Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian.
2: And I'm Robin Joy. And
1: this is Coach's Corner.
2: Hey, Brian, today I am looking at an ASIN mm-hmm. and it has four FBM offers and three FBA offers, and the FBA offers are low. Oh, hold on, time out.
1: Uh, uh, time out. Uh, time out on
2: that. Oh, okay. Well, well, uh,
1: We've said before that yeah. we skip the offer count. Oh, that's right. Okay. But when I know are
2: making you, a testing decision. When we're
1: making a testing decision, we skip the offer count.
2: Okay. Why is it that we do that?
1: Well, we do it because. It's only a test, first of all. It usually does not matter uh, how many offers are on that listing. Mm -hmm. Maybe one exception to that, and we we can't even prove the exception until we actually test the product.
2: Right. Right. So it may matter. We just really don't know any more than we know what we can sell it at if we don't test it first. Right. There are many things that offer count could impact. Mm -hmm. We don't know, though. If it's going to impact that ASIN, until we test it.
1: Well, right? and, and really, we're looking for reasons to test. We're not reason. We're not looking for reasons not to test. Oh, right. We're trying point. to make our decision making process as simple as we can. And if we start getting it, and the, the truth of the matter is, every ASIN is unique in yes. terms of the number of offers that are on that ASIN, the the mix of the offers that are on that ASIN, in terms of uh, channel fulfillment type The mix of offers in terms of the spread of the uh, of the prices that everyone is offering um, on that listing, so uh, it's impossible to come away to to have a rule that says, okay, in this example, in this particular situation, this is test worthy or it's not. Maybe with one exception. All right. Okay. What's the What's the exception? That one exception is when the uh, offer count has spiked recently. Like it's gone. It's been kind of steady, and all of a sudden. it a has A
2: significant spike
1: yeah, in six, a
2: short amount of time, like the last couple of weeks.
1: Right. Or the last week uh-huh. is right? usually you can, you can tell when that happens. It's like an ASIN gets discovered. And when it gets yes. discovered for any reason, then you will see a whole bunch of offers, a whole bunch of sellers jump on that listing. And then typically what happens is that puts a lot of pressure on the price. Mm-hmm. And when the offer count spikes, the sales price usually goes down.
2: Okay. So if you're on a down, a significant downward trend, that's not, that's unusual from the trending, you might want to wait a few minutes and let that, uh, we have friends that call that a list hit. A list hit. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes when it gets on a list, all of a sudden a whole bunch of sellers, uh, a whole bunch of offers come on and, and that's okay. It'll, it'll come back, but you might want to not want to test it right at that moment. Put it on your list to look at another six weeks. Other than that. Any other impact from seller count, even that one we couldn't prove, mm-hmm. but any other impact, we're going to look at that after we start testing because there's so much benefit to testing as many ASINs as we possibly can. We're keeping that decision simple. We're protecting our capital, making sure it's moving fast enough for us to get in and out of it in a short amount of time. If that's the case, we're going to test it because even if we broke even, and we would get all our money back, but the benefits of testing are so many more than just whether we make money on it or not. We, especially when we're building foundational lists,
1: we talk about the benefits of testing a lot. So we're looking we for for reasons to test more, mm-hmm. not to test less. Right. Right. We get we get a certain run rate in terms of revenue and profit from our tests. Mm-hmm. We get the benefit of uh, selling more items. We talked about uh, recently that will improve your account health score. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the benefit of building our trust with Amazon so we can become ungated in in categories and brands. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to experience this is the most important part, in my opinion, the experience of of being on an ASIN, putting the pieces of the puzzle together around the different uh, parts of Keepa mm-hmm. so that we know we just gain that experience we every time that, that we that we do it. So we want to test as much as we can. Um, that's our goal, really. Yeah, we, we want to this-
2: test with a low risk. Mm-hmm. We want to test safely as much as we can, mm-hmm. but we do want to test as much as possible.
1: And one of the least impacting factors of, of a listing mm-hmm. is the offer count.
2: Exactly. Exactly. That's going to be that's going to be the least thing that I I worry about. Mm-hmm. And actually, I don't even consider it in my testing, except that for that, for that one, one case. Ex, that one case. So when we have other people doing our um The task of doing the three-step check for Mm us—we give them a list of acents. We don't even have them consider that. We don't want them to make a judgment call. If we see it when we review those lists, we might pull it for uh, a few weeks and go back to it. But normally, we're not even going to worry too much about that. You were talking about benefits of testing, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to add a couple more. And not sure if you said them or not, but there's also a benefit of if you test more, you have more of a chance to get positive feedback, seller feedback, mm. which helps your, yep. your ratings. And it also helps your account health. We talked about in one of our recent podcasts, how it can help your account health to have more sales, more sales. Amazon doesn't know whether you made any money or not. As long as you're getting all your money back, you might get a little bit of profit. Go ahead and keep testing while you're building that foundational list of ASINs that you might be able to replenish. But even if you don't, you're getting a lot of benefit for it, from it. Test, 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 test. I can't emphasize that enough.
1: Right. The testing is really the the base, the cake. And then what goes, uh, what you replenish is the icing on the cake.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, we've kind of flipped the script on that with our own so, business and yeah. it's worked out really well.
2: We have, and we are working with people who are finding the same. Yep the same things i was working with someone just today who's who's like i okay but i want to test as many as i can so let's look at some of these and tell me why i can't test them and i love that attitude
1: except we're not looking for reasons why not to we're looking for reasons too right
2: (laughs) well that's what he's saying Uh i'm saying i can yeah you stop
1: me if i'm going too far Uh, i see right so this is great why one of the reasons that you have a coach yeah because your coach has tested thousands of times before Mm -hmm. and they can tell you yep or maybe you overlook something. Ah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that because of mm-hmm. right,
2: exactly. Okay. So, and it sometimes it just has the situation has to come up before you realize, you know, before the coach can give that as an example because you wouldn't understand if I just told you everything I've ever experienced mm-hmm. from the beginning. <laughs> that would be too way too much to go. So TMI. I know, right? <laughs> All right. Okay.
1: So so I had had this question this week. Coaching client says. I have 15 hours a week for my business. How should I allocate those hours? Mm. You've
2: got a good answer for this. Well, here's what I tell people. And 15 hours is pretty standard for people who uh, come to us and they're just getting started. They say, I can give about 15 hours of my personal time to building this business until, you know, I can get some more time because I've made some money and I can have some more options. That's not unusual. But what happens is it's not really intuitive sometimes to, um, because you're doing this in your spare time when it's a side gig, you're doing it in your spare time. So you say, when I have an hour, I'm going to use it on my business. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what happens is those hours never come if you don't schedule them in. So I found it helpful to have people put in their calendar the hours that they're going to work, right? Right. They dedicate a certain number of hours. If that's 15 hours, pick out which 15 hours you're going to use for your business. Not only that, but I like to see people give each hour a job. So eventually, you're going to have to have some hours for sourcing. You're going to have to have some hours for shopping and prepping and shipping. You're going to have to have split up those hours. But the first couple of weeks, what are you doing, Brian? They're in those 15 hours.
1: Right, well, the only thing you have to do Is source in the beginning that's that's your job number one is to source and find items that are test worthy and um, that usually takes a week or so sometimes two weeks before you start feeling comfortable with that process so in in those first two weeks that's the only thing that you have to do nothing else right but don't sell yourself short in those in that time period right if you're gonna source for 15 hours then source for 15 hours we've talked before about sourcing is sourcing, not yeah. watching YouTube videos, not checking out some new module in the pack. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great modules out there. Don't yes. get me wrong. Yes. Um, but while you're so sourcing, your, job, you're sourcing.
2: Hour, your hour has been assigned a job of sourcing, then source for that hour.
1: And just to be clear, when you say give each hour a job, it doesn't mean there are 15 different jobs to do in the business. You no. could give three consecutive hours to sourcing, yes. two consecutive hours to shopping, et cetera, but just that's give exactly each hour what I meant a job, right?
2: That. Yes, that's exactly what I meant by that. And to talk about that just a little bit further i think that that giving uh, that first couple of weeks that we're talking about where there really is only one job to assign to all those hours you really need to use all those hours for that job now some of that might be some education you might use an hour or two for education but the rest of those hours really need to be for sourcing and why is that i think it's because you have a very short amount of time to get as much experience as you can at looking at ASINs. We've talked about it before. The more ASINs you can look at, the more cycles you can do with testing, the the better you are going to get at this. And you need to get faster quickly because like I said, you're going to have more jobs to take up some of those hours as soon as you find some ASINs to test.
1: That said, don't put pressure on yourself. Like, oh, I got to hurry up and find it because that's the thing that will just lock you up and freeze you up. So, just know that that's all you have to do for the until you are ready to go shopping. Mm -hmm. And then you'll start mixing in as much as it is you can. Yeah. And then you'll start mixing in some of the other tasks. Correct. Okay. Now,
2: one more thing I wanted to say about Mm -hmm. that is life happens. Mm, Absolutely. Life happens? Yes. It absolutely. Guess what? (laughs) Like you Mm -hmm. haven't noticed, (laughs) life happens. We don't have little kids in our house and life happens.
1: We do sometimes have little kids. We
2: do have some. Yes. Life definitely happens on those days. But we love them and they're worth it. Uh But a lot of you have little kids in your house. You have families to deal with. You have some of you are taking care of uh, someone who uh, needs care, an older person maybe. Uh, Your life goes on. You have jobs. Those are the things. So what happens is a lot of times I'll see people, they schedule their hours. They pick which hours I'm going to work. So they've gotten that far. Mm -hmm. And then something happens and I can't use that hour or that three-hour block that I they I set aside for that because something else came up. My, you know, my little boy broke his arm and I had to take him to the emergency room. That's going to happen, right? I, well, hopefully that doesn't happen, but things like that are going to happen. That's life. So I encourage you to make up for that hour somewhere. Find another place in that week to make up for that hour if you missed it there. And that might be three hours. That might be, uh, you know, a whole evening that you missed because of something like that. But I think I've seen more people be able to make up that hour and know that they have an hour to make up if they're accountable to that and they have it on their calendar to start with.
1: Accountability. Really important. Right.
2: Right. Be accountable
1: to yourself. You wouldn't give, you would expect anyone that you were paying Mm -hmm. to make up that time. Yes, you would. So expect that of yourself too. Be as good to yourself as you would be to
2: any boss Mm -hmm. because you're your boss now.
1: Right. Yeah, don't call in sick to to Amazon. Yeah, that's right. Right,
2: that's right. Don't call in sick to your own business. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Okay. Now okay. we kind of we kind of foreshadowed some of the topics in our first segment when we were talking about you know analyzing an ASIN. Mm-hmm. With this last uh, section that we're going to talk about here is really what I like to call uh, your competitive advantage in this business, mm. and I think it's sourcing. I think so too. Well, let's talk about this for a couple minutes.
2: Uh, all right. So tell me first, what is sourcing? What do you mean by that? When you say sourcing, it's a it's a word that we use in the community a lot, but some of the newer people coming in mm-hmm. might not really understand what we're talking about.
1: So sourcing is identifying a a listing on Amazon and a source where you can purchase that product, or vice versa, a product where you know you can purchase that, a product a store where you know you can purchase supplier. that product, a supplier, and then finding a matching. Asin on Amazon, and this can be a one-to-many relationship. Mm-hmm. For example, if I pull a, as uh, Jim used this uh, example before, a bag of marshmallows off of the shelf at Target, mm-hmm. one bag, sixteen-ounce mini marshmallows, mm-hmm. I can probably find one or more. And I'm using a visual here: one, one finger on my right hand, and four fingers on my left hand. One or more matching Asins on Amazon for that one product. Right. Okay. So. That's the one-to-many relationship. And I'm
2: going to check every one of those listings and see if they're test-worthy. Yes. More than one might be test-worthy. Absolutely. I'm going to test as many as are test-worthy.
1: And it can also go the other way. If I find a listing on Amazon Mm -hmm. and I'm doing what is called reverse sourcing, Mm -hmm. so I start on Amazon, I find a listing, and I'm trying to find a supplier for that, Mm -hmm. I could find one or more suppliers
2: for um, that one listing on Amazon. Right. Right. So in this case, you've got one listing and up to many suppliers. So mm-hmm. You may test, uh, you're probably going to test your best price for that, but you're going to find more than one supplier. Some of them might have the same price. You might need more than one supplier mm-hmm. in order to find enough to test and then to replenish it.
1: Well, not only that, there are a lot of listings out there that have pieces and parts from multiple, Absolutely. Loca- uh, multiple suppliers. That's right. So- we used to sell a particular uh, type of bakery product and we could get some flavors from Walmart and some flavors from Target. And that's the mission that we were on is Mm -hmm. we were going to buy those things, put them together and and send them in. Right. Okay. So that's the standard sourcing, which is start with your source, see if you can find a listing on Amazon. Then there's reverse sourcing, which is start with Amazon and see
2: if you can find a supplier somewhere else. And I know there are people who call those things the opposite way. That's okay. It's not about the the title. It's stuff.
1: not about what it's called. Just yeah. know that there are two different <laughs> ways to do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. Then there is what I hear a lot, manual or organic sourcing mm-hmm. versus automated sourcing.
2: Okay. So what does that mean?
1: So the manual, let's just call it organic. I like organic better. Okay. Organic is when I'm sitting down and I'm looking over a store and I'm trying to find a matching ASIN on Amazon. I'm doing it with my eyeballs. Right. I'm looking at it.
2: Or it could be an ASIN that you're trying to find a source source for. But you're doing it with your own eyeballs. You're doing your own clicking around and Mm -hmm. finding that.
1: Okay. Right. The automated sourcing are Mm -hmm. tools out there like Arbitrage Hero and Tactical Arbitrage and Here. who knows uh, what else. Uh, programs, automated programs that will go out and try and do that sourcing for you. using They try to do that matching for they you. They try to match up the source and the listing or the listing and the source for you. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever heard anyone complain about mismatches, yes it's because those programs aren't as good as the human eye right they're using maybe an image match maybe a upc match maybe a title match or a combination of those or and or other things um to try and produce a match for you so that then you can review the list and see is there anything here that is a a real match and b test worthy for me right okay so in terms of the the mismatches you're going to get much fewer much fewer many fewer many fewer <laughs> mismatches when you're doing organic sourcing because it's it's our eyeballs that are doing this than you will with automated sourcing. On the other hand, the automated sourcing can do a lot more in a smaller period of time. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna have to quality check it. And what I we've got other challenges with the automated methods that they tend to put filters on things like the buy box and they're calculating potential profitability based on this buy box. The buy box at this moment in time, which we know doesn't really matter. It's more about the buy box historically over a longer period of time.
2: So, if I can just cut in here, Mm -hmm. this is why we encourage people to get good at organic sourcing first, so that when you're using a tool, if you ever do use a tool, that's more of an advanced way to help you source. But you really need to understand clearly the underlying. What you're trying to accomplish there, in order for that to work well for you, and right. I think most people who use those kind of tools and are good at them are a little bit more advanced, and they understand clearly what is happening behind the scenes and where they need to make up for the machine. Is right? That right?
1: Yes. I see a lot of newer people coming in. They don't. They haven't even sent in a shipment yet, mm-hmm. and they're posting questions about using tactical arbitrage or Arbitrage Hero, and it's really, we think of those as advanced tools. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're not good. No. They, they all serve a purpose. Right. But if you get good at the organic sourcing, this, what I'm saying is your competitive advantage long-term in this business, because you'll always have an advantage over those who are relying solely on uh, a leads list. Mm-hmm. Now, you asked me earlier, yeah. To define what a leads list is. Okay,
2: yes, please explain what a leads list is because not everybody understands when we use these terms.
1: Okay, so a leads list, you know, our experience is typically a uh, a list of today, good products that you could, they look good on paper. Like, oh yeah, if I were to buy this today and be able to sell it today, mm-hmm. I would make a profit, a minimum profit amount. These lists typically have like, you know, all of our leads are minimum X ROI Mm -hmm. or, you know, margin or whatever their calculation is.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yep. Right. And, and that's based on whatever it was when they looked at it at that moment, at that moment in time. Yes. Right. So, so you uh, need to have a little bit of understanding, uh, underlying understanding of that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. But there's another quality or attribute that we see a lot with leads lists.
2: Yeah. A lot of the items on a leads list. In fact, some leads lists are exclusively sale items. S- items that are on sale this week. You get the list. the lease list this week. Those items are on sale this week. That's when it, it uh, seems to be a good deal if you can buy it on sale. Mm-hmm. But what happens with it? Well, you're famous for saying. Oh, yeah. If it's on sale for you, it's on sale for everybody. Right. That doesn't make it not a deal. That makes it, you need to consider what happens when there's a sale, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yep. Now, full disclosure the very first item that I ever sold on Amazon yeah. came from a leads list. <laughs> and if you go back and listen to the first podcast that we did in the summer of 2020, um, where we were guests on the on Jim's show, um, we talk a bit about uh, the leads lists and how I wasn't really a fan of them at that time. Because you know I'd been doing this for about 15 months at that mm-hmm. point in time, 16 months maybe. And my experience with leads lists was what I got lucky on that first item that I sold that actually made money on it. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why that happened. Okay. Okay. So I subscribed to the leads list. And again, in all honesty, my coach said, if you're going to subscribe to a leads list, use it as a jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Don't buy anything that's on the list. Well, I didn't really understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. And or I, why that would be. Or why that would be. She had no experience. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, hey, well, this one looks profitable today. I'm just going to go ahead and buy it. And so I, started buying things off of the leads list. And what happened was the very first item was profitable. It was dumb luck. This particular item was misclassified. It was a supplement that you had to ingest. It was in the wrong, it was in the wrong category. For some reason, I was approved to sell it um, because it was miscategorized. I was not no, it wouldn't approved. wouldn't have been
2: approved in the category it should have been. I
1: did not have approval to sell in the category that it should have been in. <laughs> right. And other people who were looking at that list saw that. These were, you know, I more think experienced more people. experienced people and they stayed away from that listing like I should have. <laughs> and so it didn't tank <laughs> yeah. like every other lead on that list did for me. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about why does uh, a listing tend to tank? or take a list hit after it gets on a list?
2: Well, if those items are on sale, mm-hmm. or even even if not, usually they're on sale. So the, you have to look at the, what we talked about before. If it's on sale for you, it's on sale for everyone. So if normally my requirements, everyone has different requirements and different strategies. Normally my requirements would need me to sell it at a certain price, but it goes on sale. That requirement goes down as well. Mm-hmm. So I may take some, some of that and sell it at a lower price. So that makes the list, the the price start going down, down, down because people are lowering their requirements because they're still making the same margin. Their cost basis went down. Their cost basis went down. Exactly. The other thing that happens is when the sellers go up. So a lot of sellers come on, we talked about earlier this mm -hmm. in this podcast about when there's a
1: An abundance of supply.
2: Uh, Yeah. In a, in a short amount of time, it Mm -hmm. spikes up the sell, the offer count spikes up that puts pressure on the price and it tends to go down a little bit. So during that time that, that list just came out and people are starting to, to fill that listing, the price is coming down because, because the cost basis is coming down. The sellers are going up Mm -hmm. or the offer count is going up and it's putting pressure on that price. So that's going to affect the results that you get. When you're looking at it right now from the list, you say, oh, that's a great deal because I can get <laughs> it on sale and, it, and it's historically you're, selling up here.
1: You're evaluating it today at this time. And the yeah. reality is what?
2: In a couple of weeks, that's going to change dramatically because of that list right. likely. And
1: you can't get your product there fast enough, yeah. typically, Yeah, right? And who knows who got that list before you got it? Yeah. And who knows who's going to get that list after you got it,
2: yep. Or how long that list hit is going to last? Or yeah. And so, these, and again, we're not saying that you cannot use a list. It is a more advanced strategy, though. So mm-hmm. in your first few shipments, we don't advise it. And to be fair, we Brian and I don't advise it.
1: <laughs> to be fair, uh, listings that we source organically or manually, some of that happen. You know that happens to some of them too. They it take, does it does right, and so it's not just. Uh, only items from a leads list that tank. Correct. There Absolutely. could be any number of reasons that a listing gets discovered, and when it gets discovered, then there can be a whole herd of people, a uh, mm-hmm. whole herd of new offers on it, and mm-hmm. that's going to put pricing pressure on it. And this is why listings tend to tank.
2: Sure, and that's what we call tanking. However, when I'm testing, I don't follow, I don't. In fact, in my replans business, in our replans business, mm-hmm. we don't tend to follow that buy box. In right. fact. We have moved away from using our repricer even because we're not chasing that buy box. Mm-hmm. We're seeing what it will sell for us, how often it will sell for us at a profit, because Jim has shown us how it's working for him. He's got several aces that he shared with us that that works with. Like 80, I we, think he's shared so far. So far. And plus, <laughs> there are more coming out all the time. Uh-huh. And we are seeing that ourselves and, ha- and we look back in our business and we're seeing those same kinds of KIPA charts. It doesn't show the price that we're selling on it. There's there's no proof on, in KIPA that you could sell it at that price. Mm-hmm. That's why you got to test, 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 test. So anyway, the point is don't chase the buy box, even if it goes on sale, even if the sellers come up, we don't want to chase the buy box because we're not letting the other sellers tell us where to, to where a price should be.
1: So- I might even go so far as to say the buy box is dead in the replense business. Mm, maybe. Now, if you are needing to move a lot of product, like mm. if you've got wholesale accounts and you've got a lot of inventory. Sometimes yeah, you have to strategies are going to look at right? it differently, absolutely. You, you're, you, you're willing to take smaller margins because you've got a lot more product to sell. That can make a lot of sense. In the I re- think
2: the point here is yeah. don't be afraid that you have to follow the buy box. Don't be led by the buy box if you're if you're trying to build a replants list. Right.
1: Okay, great. Okay. So let me just wrap up the list thing. It's not all bad. No. Okay. There are, there are good reasons and plenty of good benefits from using a list. If you do use a list, though, uh, our suggestion is to to use it to find new stores that you didn't even know about before. Sure. For example, when I first subscribed to that leads list, I learned about stores I didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. A store named Belk.com I never even knew about. hmm I wasn't the shopper in our family at the time, but you, I don't think you even heard of Belk. Probably not. And BJ's. And there are a lot of stores we never even heard about. Mm -hmm. But if you do this uh, process we were talking about before with the organic sourcing, finding a, uh, starting with the source and then trying to find a matching listing on Amazon, and you find a store that you never heard of before, this is a great way to build a book of business Mm -hmm. because then you can go through every item in, so it sounds It sounds overwhelming. I'm gonna go through every item in the Target, you know, online store.
2: It's gonna be a lot fewer items than are on Amazon.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right, What have 4 billion yeah. uh, ASINs. That's a lot on, of
2: ASINs. I don't right? think Target has quite that many on there. So. I think we at one point
1: said Walmart has like, the average Walmart has like 50,000 items. That's a lot of items. That's a lot of items. Okay, I don't know. Target is smaller. Maybe it's like 25,000. And Maybe not
2: all of those are going to have listings on Amazon.
1: Exactly right. Yeah, what, what we're doing is, that was something that we should have mentioned before, but there's a source. You may not find a listing for it on Amazon. That's okay. Just move
2: on. Just move on. You got Just, a lot more to look at.
1: Just the same way if you were doing the reverse sourcing and starting with a listing and looking for a source and you couldn't find a source that had a price that you needed, move on. Mm -hmm. Don't spend three hours. "Ah, There must be a source out there. Mm -hmm. People are selling this, Mm -hmm. right? You'll just burn so much time. You you can't find
2: a source at all. You will not know where you could buy that item.
1: But if you find a new store, build a book of business from that store. Mm -hmm. In other words, source every item in that store by starting with the source, seeing if you can find a matching listing on Amazon, then identify those test-worthy ASINs. I guarantee you, if you source the entire Target store, you are going to have many, 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 many test-worthy ASINs. A significant number, I'm sure. A substantial amount. Because I haven't sourced the whole store, and we already have a substantial amount of, yeah. of ASINs, sure. the test-worthy ASINs from there.
2: Sure. And I might say one more thing about that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to lose my train of thought because I forgot what I was going to say. Uh,
1: well, just to... <laughs> to paint listen in, in a better a slightly better light we know many seven figure sellers who who still subscribe to leads list today mm-hmm. these are advanced sellers and they tend to use the strategy i was just talking about which is they will source that whole store
2: and other creative strategies they yeah. use as well
1: sure yeah. sure but so now they've got they've got reliable sources that you talked about earlier you you would open up did we talk about this no not yet oh okay so
2: I remembered what I was going to say okay. about sourcing a whole store. You are saying, you know, go through Target and source a whole store. Mm-hmm. We're not suggesting that you stop there and only use Target because diversity is key. Anything could happen to that source. Mm-hmm. Then go to another source and source all of that. You need to always have diversity in, in all ways. So we're not saying just use one source and that's all. Mm-hmm. However, it's a good way to get yourself started. So. So when you first started... You
1: had a similar had, uh, or modified approach to this. Just I take did. a minute and share that.
2: It was different for me because you had started before
0: mm-hmm. I did, yep.
2: a few months before, and then you showed me how to source, and and, we, and I had a mission. I was sourcing for eight hours every day. Mm-hmm. My mission was to find uh, one, an hour. one an hour, eight ASINs a, a day. day, and every morning you looked over them. And you you we decided whether that was real or not. Sometimes I was looking at it as a single, and it was a two pack, and you threw that one out, and that was discouraging. But <laughs> <laughs> the way I did it though, at that time, when I was really starting to get a good start on this, I didn't I found it was taking too much time for me to open up several different sources. go Google and find a source every time I'd have to put in my credit card, open a, an account in order to get the right pricing. And it took too much time. So what I ended up doing early on was opening three different tabs, maybe four. I think it was three initially. Target, Mm -hmm. Walmart, and Kroger. Home Depot, maybe it was. Three different sources. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I chose three. And I would look and find an ASIN that I wanted to find a source for. And I would say, okay, this ASIN, can I find it in this store, this store, this store, or this store? And it was either there or it wasn't. It might have been in some other store, but I just stopped right there. I just sourced those items in those stores. And I found that I could go much faster through more and more ASINs faster if I only had limited myself. So that's kind of how I started out doing it.
1: And it gives you a little bit better odds of finding something that you, that is testworthy than if you were just focused on one store. Okay, I'm only going to look at Target for this item. Right. And by the way, that's what I did. When I when I first got started,
2: yeah, because remember, Brian is the guy who wouldn't go to Walmart to save money. He'd get a rash. He would, you know, drive by at Walmart <laughs> and would kind of go like this. But now he'll tell you, and soon after that, after he started this business, after we convinced him to source at Walmart, mm-hmm. he's decided that he will go to Walmart to save money. Right. I mean, to uh, make money, not to save money, but to make money. Right.
1: So if I couldn't find it at Target, it wasn't a deal for me. That, yeah. uh, I used to say, if it's not a deal at Target, it's not a deal for me because that was the only place I was shopping because I hated going into Walmart. <laughs> I hated going to the dollar store. I hated going to these other stores. I felt better about shopping at Target. Mm-hmm. So that was what I did. And I built a nice list of 60 ASINs mm-hmm. um, right out of Target. That was mm-hmm. it. That was all I had. Mm-hmm. Okay, And
2: you weren't approved in that many categories. No,
1: not at no. all. Okay, but what you did was you said you you bettered your odds. I just so,
2: opened it up just a little bit. So
1: then you had Target, Keeping you had Walmart, you had Home Depot, and you sourced those three stores. If the item showed up in one of those three stores, then you did your three-step check, basically. And then... Before we were calling it that, before yeah. we defined it as that, but and, yes. And then it, if it wasn't in one of those three stores, you stopped and went on to the next mm-hmm. item. Okay. That's right. This was also key. We're, we're down a rabbit hole here, but... <laughs> I <laughs> I, I, I like this topic. This was also key for us in expansion. So yes. when we initially oh, expanded, right. we had a shopper in a different part of the country. Yes. And they had access to stores that we didn't have here. So then your sourcing process went from those three stores to also include two more regional stores in that area. That's right. Okay, was, and then it turned into three and eventually four stores in that area. And then it was, if that ASIN didn't exist, now they also had Target and Walmart and Home Depot. So, right. so that was uh, you know built in. But then we would add other stores like Meyer, like Aldi, like... Menards. Menards. Okay. Then we
2: could check those additional so- uh, places as a source for the listing on Amazon. Right. But by the time that happened, I had been doing this for several months. Yeah. And I'd met my goal to be able to place replace my income. Sure. And then we added someone else. So then I was much more experienced mm-hmm. at making those lists for her to, to source and including those other, those other stores. Right. So...
1: so- Yes, that's a great topic. I love that topic. I mean, to boil it down, sourcing is there's no magic. The magic, no. if you want to say that there's magic in sourcing, it's that you spend the amount of time necessary to find ASINs that match sources or sources that match ASINs. And then you apply analysis to the ones that match and you test the ones that are testworthy. Mm-hmm. That's as simple as it gets, right? And you're going to look
2: at many more ASINs than you're going to be able to test.
1: Are there there are no secret sources out there that mm-hmm. allow people to buy things for less than what you are seeing them for, unless it's priced differently, you know, in a different part of the country or something. But sure, there isn't a secret source out there that makes all this, you know, magically profitable for the for the seven-figure sellers. They sure. had just have more time, mm-hmm. they have more experience. You got to start somewhere. Start with a store in your neighborhood, source the heck out of that store until you've sourced every item, and you've got to list a book of business from that one store.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed. So I think we've kind of, we've kind of gone quite a ways down that rabbit hole, but I think we, we, it was a good opportunity to, to share some of the ways that we had we, before.
1: Yes. Okay. So let's wrap this up. You got a quote. Oh, we do have a quote. <laughs> this is actually your quote.
2: My Well, not my quote, well, it's Winston mean,
1: Churchill's quote. <laughs> yeah. You found the quote, I should say, and you sent it to me. Normally I'm digging these up and you sent me uh, actually over the last several weeks, many good quotes. This is one that I really love. And it goes like this. Success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. Winston Churchill. Yes. Okay. How do you possibly do that? (laughs) How do you go from one failure to the next and not lose enthusiasm?
2: Well, sometimes that's what sourcing is like. Mm. Oh, it is. I'm going to look at a lot of ASINs before I find a few to test, right? So I'm going to look at an ASIN. That one failed failed my to meet my criteria for testing. I'm going to go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And if I can keep doing that over and over and not lose my enthusiasm, I'm going to find the ones that work as well. If I give up because I've looked at ten and none of them worked, yeah, that's that's losing my enthusiasm,
1: yeah, okay. So right? two, two things on that. All right. The first one is when we were talking about giving every hour a job, yeah. If you have booked out two, three hours or 15 hours in that first week or two, that all you have to do is source. Mm -hmm. I love a suggestion that you brought up, which is the Pomodoro method, which says you work 25 minutes and then you take a five minute respite break, whatever, get up, go to the bathroom, get a drink, just take your mind, move around and take your mind off of that. It doesn't shoulders out of your ears. (laughs) It doesn't completely, your mind doesn't completely uh, get off of it, but it's still working in the subconscious, right? Right. And one other tip there is that if you can find some enthusiasm, some positive emotional feeling about that process, because maybe you found one in that previous 25-minute segment and you're fired up about that, Yeah. or you know that you're going to find one in the next 25-minute segment and you're fired up about that, you will find one. You'll find more. You'll be excited. You'll keep your enthusiasm up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, The other thing I wanted to say is that, have you ever noticed how easy it is to help someone else solve their challenges?
2: It's so much easier. I mean, I can clean my sister's house. I can be like, (laughs) oh, that should be organized there and there and there. My own house, however, it's a little harder to see. (laughs) We do it
1: in coaching all the time. We work with coaching clients and we're like, oh, well, here's what you do. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Right, right. And they're like, oh gosh, thank you. I've never even thought I would have never thought of that. Mm-hmm. And the reason that we would have never thought of that, or I would have never thought of that is because, and the reason that we're able to provide that sort of guidance as coaches um, and, mm-hmm. and instruction as coaches is that we have perspective and mm-hmm. we're looking at this as an observer. We're looking right. at your business as an observer. Right.
2: We we're don't have at, anything on the hook here.
1: You're looking at your sister's house as an observer. Yes. Okay. It's hard to look at ourselves. From the observer standpoint. Right. But if we can break away a little bit and I observe ourselves even during the sourcing process and say, okay, I might have got a little down in there. If I just up my energy here, my Mm -hmm. attitude, my enthusiasm, things are gonna start going my way. And this is what would a coach tell you? Hey, you are doing the right things. Mm -hmm. Trust that this is gonna happen. Things are gonna start to fall into place for you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. It's just trust the
2: process, Mm -hmm. trust what you're trying to do. It is the right thing. Mm -hmm. Keep moving forward. Make progress. Yes. Make progress.
1: All right. Well. Yeah. How do you
2: make progress?
1: You find more
0: ASINs to test? Find more ASINs to test. Let's go find some more ASINs. Let's go find some more.
2: Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.
0: Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today on Silent Sales Machine Radio. As we like to do once a week or so around here, I bring on my good friend, Mr. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com. Just like the Razor. He's always got some great legal insights and some policy, Amazon policy insights for us. What have you got for us this week, Jeff?
3: Well, we have an interesting one. So over the last week or two, we've gotten a couple emails from, from sellers and they're saying, help, my account health rating has gone down and uh, nothing on my account health dashboard has changed. And so they're thinking that something's wrong and they're sounding the alarm and they're wondering what can they do to fix it. So this this the purpose of this episode is to explain, well, what is the account health rating? You know, how does Amazon come up with that number, which is between zero and 1,000? And why is it going down when you're doing nothing wrong? So, I guess you all know, jump right into it. You know, for those of you who may not know, the account health rating is Amazon's numeric score on the account health dashboard. Now, it's currently only in the United States. Um, I might have rolled out to Canada uh, recently. I can't remember if it did or not. But it's only for sure. It's in the United States. It has not made it to Europe yet. And it's it's a score between zero and a thousand. Between zero and 99, an account is at risk of deactivation within 72 hours or seven days, depending on if you have account health assurance. Uh, between 100 and 199, your account will have a yellow banner saying your account is at risk. Please fix these violations to prevent further disruption. And between 200 and 1,000, you're healthy. Now, where sellers are concerned is that you know their scores are going down and they're not getting violations. So normally, violations range on Amazon from between two and eight points. So maybe you know, an IP claim might be eight points or 10 points, just depends on what the investigator assigns to it. And so their, account, their ratings maybe goes from a 245 to a 243, and yet they have no violations on their dashboard. They're saying, why is this happening? Um, so I think it's important to understand what causes that rating and understand why it might be going down. So, Jim, you and I have talked before when they first rolled it out. And it's uh, for those who don't remember on that episode, Amazon had released the formula and it still is on Seller Central. You have to dig pretty deep to find it. But basically, for those who don't remember, it's a 180 day rolling average where you receive two points for every, or sorry, four points for every 200 orders. So for every 200 orders that you have that don't have a problem, you'll receive four points on your score. So if you imagine in the last 180 days, um, and I should start also preface it that everyone starts at 200. So if in the last 180 days, which is six months, you sold 200 items exactly, you would have and you had no IP claims and no other issues, you'd have a 204. Just you know, simple math: four points, that's 200 sense. orders, 180 days. So for now, if what, why this might, why this matters, and I keep focusing on this 180 days, is that 180 days ago we were in the middle of Q4. So that's mid October. We're in the height of Christmas shopping. People are buying like crazy on your Amazon store. And so naturally, we've got sort of like a bell curve distribution where you had a ton of orders in this Q4 period. And now we're on the tail end of it where your orders taper back down to normal. So if you don't have a constant order volume throughout the year, and you're one of, one of I think, 80, they say 80% of Amazon sellers that do arbitrage make 80% of their revenue in Q4. That means twenty percent of your revenue comes from the other months. Eighty percent comes from Q4. Well, we are now dead middle Q4. You know, October, November, and December is Q4. We're in the middle of October. We're moving into November. So as we move further away from that point, those orders are falling off the calculation. So if you did a thousand orders in Q4, you would have you know two hundred times five, or for two hundred divided, I mean a thousand divided by two hundred would be five. Times four, times 4 which is 20 points. So you got a 20 point
0: 20 point increase on your score. 20 point
3: increase back great then. Q4. Right? Great Q4. Now you're kind of you're going to be sloping down, you know, especially if you don't have 1000 orders now. Right. So you're going to be going down from a 220 down to a 200 because that's baseline even though nothing went wrong. You didn't get IP claims, you don't have order defects, you don't have A to Z claims, you don't have product condition issues, you know, you got nothing there negative. It's just natural. So that's, that's the purpose of, you so know, it's to, not to restate it know. as
0: simply as possible, Jeff, as, as I'm hearing you talk is if if you're shipping yeah. fewer units, your account health could slide, you're slip, shipping right. fewer now than you used to a few months ago, yeah. your account health could slide, but just a little bit, it's not going to bury you, it's going to kind of take you back down to where you were before you had the spike.
3: Correct. And on, a, on the bright side, something to look forward to next Q4
0: you're going to start to see it going back up again. Sure, sure. Thankfully, um, most of our replen sellers report that, you know, yes, absolutely, we all benefit from a great December and November. But if we're selling those boring everyday items, like most listeners in our community are the replens, this doesn't hit you quite as much, where we see quite often, you know, February, March, or April could be the best month of the year for some of our replen sellers. But still, when you have those months that are a big spike and your account health swings up, just know that as the volume slows, yeah. Account health could drop, and there's no reason to freak out and call Jeff at 3 a.m. panicked.
3: (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's just going down, natural attrition. Basically, it's going down. It's not that you did anything wrong, and Amazon's not going to penalize you for it because, you know, remember that baseline is 200. So even if you went all the way down to 200, you're still healthy. So
0: yeah, you're just as healthy at 201, although you may be a little nervous, as you are (laughs) at 999, as far as from Amazon's vantage point. Right. Correct. 201 one your basement. you don't want to drop 20 points from there, obviously, but there's no additional right. benefits. You don't get an extra you know Christmas turkey from Bezos if you're over seven hundred at the end of the year. <laughs> nothing like that. so <laughs> yeah. you you're all good over two hundred. beautiful. that's a great That's a great overview of uh, the account health score and and what to be looking out for. All right, man, it's great absolutely. hanging out with you. I appreciate you doing this. thank you. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If people want more information.
3: They can sign up with us, uh, reach out to me. You guys can shoot us an email anytime. We're happy to help. Um, jeff at jeffschick.com is our team's email. And then also our website, jeffschick.com, where we've got our monthly retainer. And it uh, you know is extremely comprehensive. You get unlimited consultations with me and my team. And we help you look out for things like your account health so that if it is going down, we help you figure out why. And if there's anything that needs to be done, we'll help you take care of it. And there's no extra charge for it. Yeah.
0: And an actual real live warrior on your side that understands Amazon legal and policy. So great job, man. Appreciate all the good work you're doing for our community. And we'll do this again real soon. Sounds good. Thank you.
3: Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.